A Song Can Change Your Life is made possible by a grant from the Fulton County Virtual Arts Initiative. Recognizing the therapeutic value of the arts and the need to support the creative community during the COVID pandemic, the Fulton County Virtual Arts Initiative offers operational support to enhance the art sector's ability to present virtual arts programs and creative engagement opportunities for Fulton County residents and visitors. A Song Can Change Your Life is recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center, located at 238 Canton Street, Alpharetta. To learn more about programs and events at the Alpharetta Arts Center, go to alpharetta.ga.us and search Arts Center or click the link located on our website, asongcanchangeyourlife.com. Hello and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, where we talk with one songwriter, one-on-one, about one of their songs. My name is James and we're coming to you from the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center in awesome Alpharetta, Georgia. Our show is brought to you by Home by Dark, the city of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. My guest today is singer-songwriter Jen Bostic. In 2012, Jen won five Independent Country Music Association awards, including Best Songwriter, Best Musician, and Overall Winner. Bostic was also named International Touring Artist of the Year in both the 2017 and 2018 British Country Music Awards. In 2018, she was nominated for International Album of the Year and International Song of the Year for Revival. Jen Bostic has performed sold-out tours across the United States and Europe and is open for the likes of Richard Marks, Christian Kane, and the band Perry. Venues have included the Grand Ole Opry, the Ryman Auditorium, and Jazz at Lincoln Center. On this episode of A Song Can Change Your Life, I sit down with Jen to discuss her deeply meaningful song, Jealous of the Angels. I didn't know Today would be our last That I'd have to say goodbye to you so fast I'm so numb, I can't feel anymore Praying you'd just walk back through that door And tell me that I was only dreaming You're not really gone as long as I believe There will be another angel Around the throne tonight Your love lives on inside of me And I will hold on tight It's not my place to question Only God knows why I'm just jealous of the angels Around the throne tonight Jen Bostic, how you doing? Doing well, how are you? Good, man, it's good to see you. Welcome to our show, A Song Can Change Your Life. Thank you so much. You are such a part of Home by Dark, our live uh, concert thing we do um you feel like family now you feel like a, you feel like my sister so it feels natural for you to be here i love uh, it i love home by dark anytime i get to come yeah well um i have so many great memories of you and i want to start off by sharing with our audience 
um, a little bit about how I perceive you and why we keep bringing you back and why you're so, so ingrained into what we do. But you're obviously very talented. I mean, you obviously have a great voice and great songs and you play well and great personality. Um, but there's a lot of talent out there everywhere. What makes you different? I think I, I, I narrowed down to three stories. And, and, and one of them is I have some buddies who have young daughters and they listen to a lot of the artists that come to our, our shows. And, they, and a couple of my buddies have these young daughters, 10 plus years old. They love you. Just love you. And, and, and we've invited them to different shows where you're at. And one in particular, I think we did a, crisp, or a show at uh, what's now called Gas South Infant Energy Center and, and, and a performing arts center. And they, this girl came, the little girl came with her girlfriends. And you, you not only were nice to them and you greeted them, but you brought them backstage and you took her to your dressing room and you guys had fun. You took some goofy pictures <laughs> together and, and you spent a lot of time with them. And which I thought really stood out to me. It's really, really cool. And then the, the second memory was, and this has happened multiple times, but when we do a show, we always have a dinner hour time where the crew comes in, the band, and you know, we have dinner together and different tables around scattered and it could be 20 plus people in there at any one time. And on multiple occasions, and, and what happens naturally, the human condition, we break up into sort of packs. You know, some of the guys love talking about baseball and they're over here and the ladies are over here, whatever. But there's always someone that's sort of by themselves. And I've seen you on more than once go out of your way to go take your meal and sit with that person sitting by themselves. And that stuck out to me. And then the third one, was I had a dear friend and neighbor um, who had cancer and uh, was in her final days at her home, and I had asked you, and I, like I, I didn't know you very well at the time, but, you, but I'd asked you if you would come over and sing to her because she loved music. And you, without, a, without even thinking about it, said, yes, let's go. And we drove over to her house and you sang to this woman for one of her last memories on earth of music was you. And, and those three combined, to me, you've got this incredible talent skill set, but then you match it up with this person that is truly authentic and truly love people in a genuine way. And it's very, very rare. It's very rare. And that's, to me, why I always bring you back as much as possible, why we're here today. And I think uh, if you see you in concert, if you ever, someone ever sees you perform, you're very vulnerable on stage and live. I mean, you're, you, you allow yourself to, to be emotional and to, and to connect with the audience in very real way, ways. And it's just all genuine. It's, it's wrapped up in who you are, this, this bundle of love taking on the world. And I'm just kind of curious... Um, where that comes from, you know, was that, is that, was that from your parents, was it from your youth? Is that, do you recognize that in your, in yourself, in a, yourself as well? That's so encouraging. And, you know, I always say every time I get a chance to come down to hang out with the Home by Dark family that this will be the time that I don't cry and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> so uh, I thought today was going to be that day, but you already made me miss you with that beautiful introduction. So thank you for that. But it, you know, my, my mom is unbelievable. And I honestly have never you know, noticed that I do that at the dinners, but that is absolutely something my mom does. And I see it all the time. She'll find the one person that's, you know, kind of doesn't feel like they belong. And that has been kind of my definition of Home by Dark for, at least for my heart, every time I come down here is just, it's kind of in a world, in an industry that is just 
so kind of categorized in little boxes. And if you don't fit in the box, you don't belong there. That Home by Dark truly is the one place where I feel like I can get on a stage, be completely myself, totally authentic. And somehow I belong to this family in just the most beautiful way. And so I'm so grateful for that. I think that when you come into an environment where people truly care about not only your songs and about, you know, playing together, but they care about you as a human being. And I mean, the first thing you ask when you see us is, how are you? How's your husband? How's, you know, and you care about everything. And I think that that, because of that love and just feeling almost like this oasis here, when we get on stage, it's just something so special. And it makes you as a person, when you're treated that way, it makes you want to give back in the same ways. You know, it yeah. makes you want to return that love. So, Well, we're a good match then. <laughs> you know, we're a good match. Have you come to be a part of what we do? And I think it's, I've always said, the power of songwriting and songwriters is that those songs can make the individual, the, the, that particular person in the audience, wherever they may be, that certain song make them feel like they're not alone. Like you express something that they felt but never heard anybody else say it or were able to verbalize it, but you did. And and you do that not only on stage, but you do it off stage as well, which is very, very cool, very, very rare. So I just wanted to compliment you on that. Again, I think talent's everywhere. I see it everywhere. And it's great to have talent. We want talented people um, around us and part of what we do. But more importantly is what you that that person of who you are is very very cool thank and you i hope so you recognize much. that and i know your audience does i think it's why people love you thank you, you know, so i think that's definitely over the years as i've kind of recrafted my vision for music and why i do this and it it really is kind of what you just said is if i can make one person feel like they're not alone in whatever they're walking through through a song because i'm writing a lot of times from really personal experiences right. you know so if somehow me just saying it as it is in my heart and if I perform that and somebody connects with that, I mean, that's the goal, you yeah. know, to make somebody feel like, okay, I'm not alone. I can get through this, whatever this challenge is, you yeah. know. Yeah. And sometimes that's enough to help someone get through that day or get, take that yeah. next step. It's very, very cool. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about, let's work backwards with you a little bit. You grew up in Minnesota? Yes, small town Waconia, Minnesota. Waconia, Minnesota. Where the heck is that? <laughs> it is about 30 miles west of Minneapolis. <laughs> okay. What's the population there? Like six no, people? No, so no, no, no. So now, you know, back when I was living there, it was probably 11,000, and I've been gone quite a while. So now it's more than that. 11,500 now. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, no, it's grown quite a bit. They have a target now. They have, Woo! Yeah. Nice. So, yes, but I go back several times a year. It's a beautiful place to, to visit, and I loved growing up there. And so when did you – so was it – so now you're in Nashville, right? I am. So – was that a direct route, Minnesota to Nashville, for you in your life journey, or was there stops along the way, or how did yes. that how did that happen? It was a little bit of a journey. So, as much as I tell you how wonderful Waconia is now, when I was living there, I just couldn't wait to get out. I wanted to explore the great big world sure. that I hadn't really seen much of, and so I went off to college at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. So I spent four years there. I did a lot of performing up and down the East Coast with a cover band. I got to travel over to Iraq and Kuwait and perform for the troops. I studied music education while I was there. So I got this, you know, worldly experience while I was living in Boston. And then when it came time to graduate, I really thought that I was going to pursue that music education 
Hmm. path because I didn't necessarily always have the confidence to perform. I thought, you know, like small town girl, you know, big fish in a small pond, but I don't know about this big, big pond. And so I was doing my student teaching, getting ready to graduate and everything in my heart said go to Nashville. And so I moved there right after graduation and recorded an album and I've recorded a few since. And I, you know, it's been a, it was kind of a surprising turn when I moved there, but I love that I did. But you went there you went there knowing, at least wanting to be an artist. Yes. And you chose Nashville over someplace like Los Angeles or New York or any other big city because of, because of why? There's a, definitely a beautiful small town feel mm-hmm. in Nashville. I know you've right. been there, so yeah. you, know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Los Angeles, I do a lot of writing and recording out there now, but... Both Los Angeles and New York just kind of overwhelmed me. Uh, and that thought of being that big city living like I right. had experienced in Boston was, it was a lot for me growing up in the country in Minnesota. You yeah. know, it, it was very different. And I felt like Nashville was a great middle ground for me. I had visited many times as part of, you know, various spring break trips that the college put together. And so I'd already felt like I had a great sense of the city and a lot of my friends were moving there at the same time. So it was a good place to kind of start to try this artist thing. (laughs) Yeah. So when you got to town, when you got to town, so many people, so many people go into that town just with, with no plan whatsoever. Um, and, and so when you went into, to Nashville, did you go in, did you have, you had some relationships there already. Did you go in saying, I want to I want to track down the country music path? Do I want to go on the pop path? Or how much of that ahead of time did you sort of know where you wanted to head? So I was going to be the next Carrie Underwood in my mind. I was, you know, going to be this country superstar, right? And um, my guitar player from the cover band I had been in in Boston, he graduated a year and a half earlier than I did, moved down to Nashville, started interning at Starstruck Studios. So moving there, he was really the only person I had a close relationship with. I, you know, I had a few acquaintances here and there, but I reached out to him and I said, hey, I want to record an album. What, how do I even go about that? Can you introduce me to a producer? I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And he came back and he's incredibly talented guitarist, producer, engineer, all of the things. And he just replied, why don't you let me produce your album? And so I sent him a few songs and I was like, yeah, these are the songs I want to record. They're, they're done. You know, he told me they were not done. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I needed to uh, own my craft a little more yeah. before we actually sure. spent time in the studio, which I'm so thankful for. So I, I really had him as probably my first musical mentor. And I, I'm so grateful to him. He became like a big brother to me. We wrote for about six months, once a week, until we had 12 songs that we Did you like go writing. through the experience in Nashville that I had when I first started going there of thinking that you knew how to write a song? And then you go out at night and you hear, go to Bluebird or somewhere and you hear these pro writers and you come back going, I have no clue how to write a song. That's how you write a song, you know? real tight verses and chorus and efficiency and and it either makes you want to get stronger and better as a writer or makes you want to quit or both (laughs) (laughs) but yes i had that same experience and man i mean even being in it for however many years now it's still you can go out to a the bluebird and hear a song and you're like man that's (laughs) i'm just i'm done towel that's right i write rubbish (laughs) i don't know how to write (laughs) that's awesome so how do you I know some people who listen to this or watch us, um, 
they're aspiring songwriters and they would love to know how you go from trying to record a record, trying to figure out how to write to making a living at being a independent singer songwriter. How did that is is it, how did that work for you? So the 12 songs that I came up with with Charlie, we did end up recording at Starstruck. He was interning there, so we got a great rate. And when it was done, I wanted to go on tour, whatever that meant. And mm -hmm. I didn't really even know at the time. But there was no booking agent, you know, knocking down my door, begging to book me. And so I honestly just started emailing and picking up the phone and calling cold, the random coffee shops in places where I knew there was a couch I could sleep on. Yep. And that's how I booked my first tour. It was three weeks long. I think I played every single night. 95% of the shows were for tips only. Sure. And like I was just hoping <laughs> that maybe I might make enough gas money to get to the next city, yeah. you know? So that's how it all started. And crazily enough, I ended up, you know, coming out in the green. Like, you know, like I paid for all my expenses and, and I immediately got back to Nashville and I had that bug that that I need to get back out there and share these songs I'm so excited about so I just kept booking shows in different areas I would meet somebody you know in another state that I hadn't visited and I'd be like can I sleep on your couch if I come there you know? right. <laughs> it just became something so so outside my comfort zone because I was very much raised like never inconvenience anyone right. like, never you know so it was outside my comfort zone but I I still say that's kind of what I'm still doing today to a certain extent, it's just, you know, elevated in yeah. the ways that I can approach that. And now, of course, being able to go and know that there's a guarantee on the other end and not just hoping for the best. So. And how did, and how did you, because so when you went there, you sort of, you had that, your, your aim was sort of a, a Carrie Underwood style, sort of mm -hmm. pop country. And, but, but your sound has evolved into, into sort of outside that realm to me. And so for you, how was that for you? You go from trying to be intentional down this one path, but then having the confidence maybe, I guess building enough confidence to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be more pop style or, or be more true to myself. So after I finished that first country record, I shopped it around to some various labels. And one label in particular, who will remain nameless, um, <laughs> told me that I was too pop for country and too country for pop, which is, it was probably accurate about that record, you know? Yeah. And I, of course, was like devastated because this was the album, like this was it. This like, was this my was Grammy contribution, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so... After I kind of went through a few boxes of Kleenex and like had my artist heartbroken, I was, I just sat down at the piano again and I, I was like, why did I start doing this in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, is did I start doing this for the fame or the record deal or whatever it is, or do I just like genuinely love this? And you know, is it therapeutic to me? And so I just started writing from a place of, I don't really care what genre this is. I'm just going to write the best song I could possibly write and kind of articulated that to whoever I was in a collaborative writing session with. And next thing I knew, I had this project that was kind of singer songwriter pop with a lot of Sarah Bareilles influence. And I feel like that's just kind of been what I've done moving forward. I'm about to release my fifth album early next year. And it, it just feels like Yes, that might have been kind of a marketing hiccup. Like I think a lot of times I've heard I've heard more times than I can count. We don't really know what to do with you. You're, what sure. genre are you? What do you, you know? Yeah. But I just create music that I love and that you know says something that I feel like I need to say or want to say. And 
audiences resonate. And to me, that's what's important. You always made my troubles feel so small You were always there to catch me when I'd fall In a world where heroes come and go Well, God just took the only one I know so I'll hold you as close as I can Longing for the day when I see your face again But until then But there's something almost magical that happens when you're just authentic and I think those songs surprise us at least they surprise me you know I have a handful of them that I wasn't even you know planning on writing that thought but it was coming out of me before I even processed you know yeah. and that's how I either got my answer or my healing or my encouragement to keep going yep I agree and those are the powerful ones and and that's a great segue into the song I wanted to zero in on today on a song can change your life is a, a song of yours jealous of the angels and um I want to hear how that song came about and let our audience know that. But I also want to tell you that I've seen you perform that a bunch of times in, in concerts. And it reminds me so much of, of how you perform it of the first time that, that I was really, really affected in Nashville. I saw Vince Gill at the Bluebird Cafe and I heard him sing, Go Rest High on That Mountain for his brother who had passed. And, and, and Vince got choked up during that song. And he has sung that song at that time, thousands of times. And, but he it's came from a part of him that was so deep and so, so fresh that he couldn't help but be affected by it. And when I hear Jealous of the Angels, when you sing it, every time I've heard you sing it, you can tell it's tapping right into when it were that source of where it came from. And it's very, very powerful. And so I'd love to know, I want artists to know where that song, how it came about, and um, a little bit of the journey of that song. Yeah. So the song is fitting for the show because it absolutely has changed my life in more ways than I can explain. But this song, Jealous of the Angels, was written for my dad who passed away in a car accident when I was 10 years old. My brother and I were both in the car. And music was the thing he was excited about. He was always putting an instrument in our hands or having us you know, sing along at the piano to some old song and after we lost him it just felt like the only way I could still connect with him it felt like the one line of communication I had was just to sit down or, and play the piano or sing and so music songwriting that was my therapy that got me through that trauma and I had written a few songs about it at the um, age of 10 11 when it all happened but I didn't really even know what songwriting was you know I was just trying to trying to heal and I never spoke with a counselor about any of it and uh, until years later, I have now. But I just kind of held so much. And by the time we wrote this song, many years had passed. It had probably been 11 years, I think, since the accident. And I wrote the song with Jimmy Fortune and Zach Runquist, two friends of mine in Nashville. And Zach had kind of approached me and said, hey, I know a little bit about your story. You know, I'd, I'd love to help you process through this in a song, if you'd be interested, you know, I have this idea of around the throne, you know, like think about it, let me know what 
So uh, we ended up setting up a session for it. And the day I drove out there, I was so unprepared. I usually like to have, you know, something that I've at least started. It was raining. It was all the way in like, you know, 45 minutes from where I live. And I'm on the way there just feeling like guilty that I have nothing and just not even knowing if I wanted to go to that place, you know, just not even feeling like it. And so I was a little bit early. I pulled into a parking lot and I pulled out my journal and I just started handwriting all these things that I was feeling, you know, whether it was about not even feeling like writing this song. And then eventually I weaved myself into what I felt in those moments. And I just poured my heart out into pages. Didn't even make sense. It was just words. And so I brought this journal to the session. I come in all apologetic and I say, guys, I'm not prepared for this. I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. I should have thought harder on this, but I did write a few pages. Let me just read this. And within those pages was, I'm just jealous of all the angels that are with my dad now. And Jimmy just stopped me and he said, that's our song. And 45 minutes later, the entire song was written. We were all crying. And it was just (laughs) one of those things that, you know, was supposed to happen that way in that moment on that day with those people. And I was never planning to perform this song live. It was just something that, you know, I needed to write. I needed this weight to be lifted off. And I felt like I had through my own grief, everybody grieves differently, but I had just locked so much of it away that when somebody gave me permission to like Mm -hmm. finally get it all out, there was, it just came out in such a way that was so honest. And you know, how a songwriting session works is people help put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I feel like that's exactly what happened is it was, here's everything I've wanted to say for 11 years, you know, and how do we put this into a three and a half minute song, you know, and it just naturally organically happened. And I remember when I sent it to my publisher at the time, I said, hey, I'm not sure I'm ready to pitch this song. Like, I think it, I think this one might be for me. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of got pushed aside. Like, I don't even know if it was listened to, but it was never, like, nothing was ever said about it. It was like, oh, okay. And then I performed it live. I got this feeling in my heart one day. And I was at a show, and it was, it just came out of me. And I, I had my publisher in the room that day, and he was like, that's that's your song like that is you know your moment so he was his name was jay frank and he's since passed away sadly but he really was the one that kind of held my hand through that whole experience and said here's the producer that we're gonna you know work with here's how we're gonna do a music video and that was the first music video i'd ever done Hmm. so it was just such a a crazy experience there was so much healing i had yet to do and what amazed me is that as i told you i never really went to therapy and never had counseling for that. Every night that I get on stage and sing that song, still to this day, and I share my story, I feel like that's a little bit of healing therapy for me. And then to share that vulnerability and see the way that people react and then share their very personal stories with me, it's like, wow, I wish that I had known in those moments that I wasn't alone, like we were talking about a little earlier. And so it's been an incredible journey with this song, for sure. Sing it When did you recognize that? Well, I guess, I guess you got affirmation from your publisher. I said, "Hey, yeah, we got we got to do this." And 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 then some other artists came along and wanted. How did how did that happen? That wanted to record it. 
So I did have quite a bit of success with the song once it was out in the world. It brought me overseas. I got to perform in England and Ireland. It just incredible dreams of mine that I never knew that I'd get to do. I got to sing it at the Grand Ole Opry and the Ryman. And through all of that, this woman named Donna Taggart found the song. And at the time, I think she had maybe 1,500 followers on Facebook. And she was a sweet girl, reached out to me. She saw that I was coming over to... Ireland, I believe. And she she just said, hey, I really connect with this song. Here's my personal story of why. Would it be okay if I recorded your song? And I was like, of course. You know, like I would love for more people to hear it. I'm grateful that you resonate the way you do. She recorded it. And it must have been a year or two later, I happened to be headed over to Northern Ireland where she lives. And she'd reached out three months before I came and said, hey, can we get together and, you know, have lunch or coffee or something? So we had this set up. From the time that that was set up to the time that I came over there, the song exploded. Like <laughs> millions and millions of views on her, her version of the song. Mm-hmm. And so I, and it couldn't have happened with a sweeter person. Like she is just the kindest, like cares about all of those stories, you know, because people resonate with those yeah. lyric and so she is constantly answering you know emails and things like that the way the same way that I had when I had my success with it so she's taken it to an incredible new level that has been amazing to watch there's another artist named Catherine Jenkins who is out of England and she has a pop classical version of the song out there Nathan Carter who's Ireland's entertainer of the year it's just amazing I feel like it continues to live on this year. The U.S. Army Band did a version of it. And for <laughs> Memorial awesome. Day, it's just wow. unbelievable. Something so much bigger than I feel like I could ever take credit for. And it's, you know, people are still finding the song every day. I'm getting an email. That's what I was going to ask you because I, I, remember, I remember talking to Tony Arata about the dance, his song, The Dance. And at some point, when songs that sort of take on a life of their own, they sort of become less yours and more ours. And it's, you can't, and it started with you, but yet it grew into something much, much bigger than you to where you have to accept that it was totally out of your hands. It was, you had, you had, you had something to do with it to initiate the writing. But beyond that, as Tony says with his, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play the, the piano part on that song or, or the, other, the other things that ha- had to happen to, for Donna to hear it. Or for, yep. And so it becomes a humbling thing, um, and it makes you believe in something bigger than your own talent. It's like, yeah, I have to be tuned in that day, and it's, um, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like I said, bigger than I can explain. I mean, for me, it. I press so much into my faith and without that, I don't know how, like grief is just so hard and songwriting, therapy, you know, faith, all of that plays such a huge role in that for me. And what's cool about the song too, um, to me, is that it doesn't tie everything up in a nice little bow. Now you went through this very difficult experience with your dad and, and you know, in the lyrics, you know, even, even the term, I'm jealous of the angels, you know, people of faith aren't supposed to be jealous, right? And, but you're being very candid um, in, in, a, in a way of saying, I did not choose this. I would not want this to happen, but, but I'm going to surrender what is happening and be hopeful about it um, that, that one day I can reconnect and that you are right now in a place that, that I, I long to be sometime. And, um, 
to me, that's what's, that's what's kind of cool about it. If there's, an, <clears throat> there's, there's there, you know, like a lot of the, some, a lot of Southern gospel songs that, that talk about heaven, et cetera, can, can often make it too, uh, make it too bright. In, in other words, when you experience the death of your father, that will forever hurt, that will ever hurt. Mm-hmm. But and so that honesty again, going back to what I said in the beginning, this authentic outlet of how, what you're feeling, I think is what resonates with people. It's hopeful um, and it's positive, but you're also very you're very real about it. Mm, thank you. I can't count the m- amount of times people have said that's everything I needed to say, but didn't know how yeah. about losing their loved one. You know, and that I think it's like. Sometimes we're afraid to be that honest. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, oh, well, like, can't be jealous of the angels because, you know, like, they're holy in heaven right, and all right. that. And it's like, oh, but really, that's how I feel. Right. I feel like the more, it goes back to our conversation about authenticity, but the more raw sometimes we can just lay things out there when it comes to things that we all, you know, resonate with, it's yeah. the more they can transcend. And it's just, yeah, it's been been amazing. I've also, of course, gotten the the negative feedback about the song, but it's, I've seen it work in people's lives in such a powerful way that it doesn't even affect me. Yeah. And because yes, those are really raw, honest, maybe not exactly how I should have said it in the right way, but it is absolutely what I felt. Yeah. And that's, and that's what resonates. Just so you know, this week I had a, a friend, a very good friend lost her mom and I was communicating with her and um, just this week, in fact, just a couple of days ago, and I was expressing my sorrow and, and hurt for, for losing her mom. And I said, um, on we're, a couple of days, we're going to be filming a, an interview with my friend Jen Bostic, who wrote this particular song. And I sent her the lyrics, and um, and she sent me a note back, and she just said, "Wow, that could, that 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 sounds like it was written for my mother," mm. you know. And I think that story is multiplied probably by millions by now you know, for, for, what you, for what you wrote. So when I say a song can change your life, typically the interviews we do, a song can change your life, typically focuses on how it changed the writer's life, how it changed um, my life, how it changed the, the, an audience person's life. This song, if you take about someone like Donna or Nathan, um, the different people that have emailed you, um, me, you, a song could change your life. This song has changed a lot of lives. And that's really very, very, very cool. And again, kudos to you for writing it. But also, I think both you and I understand that that came from a, came a pretty divine place. Pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, and long after you're gone and I'm gone, this song will still be changing lives. That's just pretty cool. So, Jen Bostic, thank you for being on A Song Can Change Your Life. I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for writing this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see, I'm
Thanks for listening to A Song Can Change Your Life, recorded in the black box at the Alpharetta Art Center. Our special guest has been Jen Bostic. To learn more about Jen, go to jenbostic.com. To learn more about our show, visit asongcanchangeyourlife.com. Our audio engineer is Jerry Knabel. Our production coordinator is Jacob Davis Martin. Our production assistants are Aiden Miller and Marcus Feezy. A Song Can Change Your Life is a Home by Dark production and brought to you by the City of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, the Fulton County Board of Commissioners, and Arts Alpharetta. My name is James, and I hope you'll join us next time on A Song Can Change Your Life.